0: Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Press that button. Press that button. Let's go, Robert. Press that button. Yes. All right. Well, we just had a little little pre... I wish that was recorded, but it's not. It's okay. I'm eating bacon. I'm having breakfast. Breakfast with Adam. I mean, what more do I want? Robert, where are you right now? I'm in Savannah, Georgia. And why are you in Savannah, Georgia? Mm, I like it here.
1: Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about, Robert. Like we, we've talked about this before on the pad or the pod, sorry, not the pad. Uh, there. It's nice to have a home, but it's also nice to be nomadic. So uh, we're, we're kind of living the best of both lives. Uh, me, obviously at home domesticated you <laughs> flying by the seat of your pants, you know, good for us.
0: I was, um, so I was in Dallas right before this and filming, filming so I was able to film one day of, uh, drive, Dean and dine the show I'm doing mm-hmm. at, at the grapevine chicken and pickle. Uh, it's a brand new one. They just built It's their biggest one so far. Um, and then we're supposed to shoot the next day at grand Prairie, but big ice storm came through, uh, f- all the flights got canceled, but I was like one of a, just a few flights that it got out. What was it yesterday? Or the day before two days ago. And, um, and then I was, I was meant to fly to Charleston, but then I was like, you know what? I'll fly to Jacksonville. I just wanted to get a flight out nonstop out of DFW, and I was able to get a flight early flight out of, Jackson, out of DFW to Jacksonville. But yeah, so anyways, I'm I'm in Savannah. I, I was at Jalen's club yesterday. Played a little pickle with Rafa. Ray understood a fourth of what he was talking about. You know, just oh, dude.
1: but he was hey, talking loudly
0: when you very loudly and very, very animated loudly. and very like passionate. Hey, when yeah, you get on, right. if you get on the boat, you don't get off the boat.
1: Yeah, if you that. get on the boat. <laughs> You don't get to, obviously, both. <laughs> I'll rob you at, dude. I, I, mean, I mean, Rafa Array, I love that guy. Used to play some tournaments, uh, teaching down in Savannah with Jalen, and we we love that place as well. Drivable for Corinne and myself, so it's very nice to get down to Savannah. Uh, very hospitable people, uh, very very nice time down there. Usually have an alcohol-slash-food hangover when I leave that place, but it's all good, Rob. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, and the clubs, the clubs got nicer. I didn't, they have like a little outdoor bar area now. Oh yeah. And which is also like on, I don't remember what hole that is. So maybe the 10th tee that might be mm-hmm. the turn. Um, yeah. but Jalen was just like, yeah, when we have like events here, I mean, this place is just packed, you know, it's like almost like waste management, the Phoenix, the Phoenix golf tournament where people are just like screaming at the people teeing off. Yes. Like, it's just yes. an epic environment. It's cool.
1: Yeah. And if you if you want a blueprint for how to grow a pickleball club, the Savannah Golf Club, Jalen Brennan, very nice job uh, from from no pickleball courts and tennis people hating pickleball to it being a huge, probably the biggest part of their club now. Well done, uh, Savannah Golf Club for making that happen. And uh, yeah, we were down there, whatever, a couple weeks ago, the the bar, they got the bathrooms over there. They got the, the kind of the. I don't know what that is pergola overhang it's 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 a Ooh, great pergola. spot to place a uh, is that is that a word is
0: that, that, that's, is that I think that's a word that's a, yeah, okay I mean, that was just impressed that you used it well done yeah well you know
1: I, I surprise every now and then and I'll tell you what Robert we have a lot to talk about this MLP recap uh it's about 60 degrees in this office I'm wearing a sweatshirt I think it's 50 50 whether I sweat through it because I'm excited about this episode yeah we got a lot to and cover.
0: Before before we, before really we jump. Too. Before we jump head first into it. uh, So I told you a little bit about Drive, Beacon Dine. Uh, Oh yeah. So so that's, that's being supported by Selkirk basically. So I'm getting to show up at these venues. They, they have a videographer come out. um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. They're super supportive. They're helping that they're helping this podcast. So they're really investing heavily into content and pickleball and grateful to have them as a sponsor of this pod and grateful to be using their paddle. I'm starting to now that I use the Halo, man, I, I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah, good stuff. And yeah, I know they—they they really are. They're going after the the content creation scene. I know they've signed. I know Ignatowicz has his new podcast. I know the mm-hmm. Breeze. Uh, if you don't know the Breeze, uh, Jordan the Breeze Brionis, uh, he's got a podcast, and of course, you know his little teaching primetime pickleball thing. So they're they're really going after it uh, outside the lines as well as inside the lines, and I think it's a good move. Uh, to kind of corner that market. And, you know, they got a lot of tools at their disposal and they're helping out the content creator. So kudos to, to Selker. Adam, did you know
0: yes. yes. our podcast got an award?
1: I did. Uh, no. Oh, did I, I, I just saw the NML? Was that not? That's what they thought. That's not the real awards. So we hey. got we actually hey. got it.
0: It's the it's whatever award we want to follow, and NML <laughs> awarded us the their their favorite podcast, the best podcast. Okay, good, good. good. It was us and, and us and MacGuffin. I I love MacGuffin. Um, I think his his podcast production quality is probably slightly higher than ours. But you know, Adam, when you have when you have on camera chemistry with your co host, that's that's you can't you can't fight that. You can't fight oh. chemistry, Adam. That's right. And uh, Tyson, has chemi-
1: his co-host is his wife. So if we have more chemistry than that, <laughs> what does that say? What does that say? <laughs> Just joking. Uh, it was actually really great to see uh, Tyson and some of the other guys and gals I hadn't seen in a while at this MLP this last weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I always have some love for Tyson. We go go a long way back. So, uh, uh, yeah, great podcast. And, you know, maybe we need to up our I – need, I need a little – Area, maybe get some better equipment here. You know, show off my wonderful voice and pretty face a little bit better than, than I have been. So uh,
0: either way, it's, good it's stuff. Blue eyes that your mama
1: that your mama loves. She said, uh, I mean, decent percentage of our viewers are women. We got it. We <laughs> can't have glasses. We can't have glasses on at the the podcast. You know, I mean, I, I get it. Mom. Absolutely true.
0: <laughs> Absolutely true. All right, MLP recap. Yeah. Let's. I mean, we have so much to cover in respect yes. to MLP and everything that went down. Um, we also have a we also have a PPA this weekend, Desert mm-hmm. Ridge, which um, mm-hmm. you know, deep fields now. A lot, a lot of PPA signed players, and it's going to be interesting to watch. But let's, uh, I know you got a long list for MLP. Let's just, let's just do it.
1: Yeah. So let, let's just start off with you, Rob. So mm-hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about your weekend. You were on the Brooklyn Aces with Corinne Carr yourself. Uh, CGL Sierra Gaetan Leach and Greg Dow I know you guys had a little bit of a slow start but seemed to be playing better as the weekend progressed you made it through uh to the quarterfinals where you played the Utah Black Diamonds and we'll we'll get to a slight controversy in that match here in a little bit but tell me a little bit about your weekend
0: hey like MLP is always a blast right and I love that um, the ACEs ownership group and our GM, Samin, like they hooked up a a great Airbnb. I know you spent some time over there, some nights over there. Um, they were super supportive and they were just good people. And it was really nice to connect with them, get to know them more. Um, it was like, yeah, we've always talked about this. Like the, the ownership groups should help out the players, especially like challenger. There's not a lot of money to be made per se. And if we don't have support and help, like we're going to be, we're going to be losing money going to the, going to that event. So um, to have some expenses covered and stuff like that was a huge help. Big shout out to those guys. And it was just that environment's fun where you get to just be in a house with your teammates, get to know them better. Because um, I don't, that doesn't always happen at tournaments. Even if you've played with somebody before, you're not necessarily spending off time with them at these events so it was it's always just really cool to get to know people better and connect with them I mean I tell you what Greg Dow, that dude that dude's going to be an internet sensation that I mean we're talking about like one of the most ridiculous characters not just in pickleball but that I've ever met that dude just I mean once he gets going he's he's fun to be around because he's so uh energetic and passionate and I like Greg Dow a lot
1: Yeah, it was, like you said, I spent some time in that house, and uh, Robert, we had a pretty serious uh, documentary crew following around the Brooklyn Aces, the same crew that uh, worked on the uh, Dion Prime uh, uh, documentary on Amazon Prime. So, they were following around a few teams, obviously following around you guys, but two pregnant ladies, and uh, a couple other characters uh, on the team, so... Tell me a little bit about that experience. You know, I had a, I mean, it was pretty serious, man. You got some heavy duty cameras. You got the guy with the sound thing, putting it uh, over there. Uh, just kind of going, going through your day with, with the crew around you. Uh, how was that experience?
0: Yeah, was, I, I, going into the event, like I knew, I knew there was like, yeah, I did a, you know, an hour phone call with those guys before the event. So talked a little bit about my story and, you know, my journey in pickleball, that, that whole deal. And, um, but going into it, I didn't, I didn't know that we'd be spending as much time with them as we did. I didn't know we'd be mic'd up during matches that, that whole deal. So, um, you know, before our first match, um, 30 minutes, like we're about to warm up. They're like, Hey, yo, can we mic you? And I'm like, "Okay." like it's just a little distracting. Right. But it is what it is because I talk about all the time. Um, content's almost more important Mm -hmm. than results these days in pickleball because, that's uh, it, it's what can get eyeballs. It what it's what can grow your brand. It's what it's what you need to get better sponsors. Is more eyeballs on you as a player. So you know, to me, it's like a, a non-negotiable. You have to do it. Like if somebody's willing to mic you up and create content around you, then you have to do it. And it's I feel like it's very important in terms of like growing, growing as a as a player and you know, being able to generate more eyeballs on you. So you get more sponsorship. So it was, a, it was, a, it was no big deal. It wasn't like, I remember the first NLP, we were miked up at some of the, in some of the matches that was for whatever reason, you know, more uncomfortable. Like these mics didn't really bother me. They didn't really affect me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, having them be on court during matches, like, you know, I'm watching the ladies cheering for them and, you know, cameras, on I me mean, a little different, just a little mm-hmm. different, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a unique experience. Um, I think it's those guys do an amazing job in terms of creating, you know, telling stories and creating content. So it will be really exciting to see kind of how that plays out and and how you know what the edited product looks like.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I had, I mean, I've had some decent wins as a player. No one gives a damn, Rob. <laughs> Nobody gives a damn about any of that at all. That's why I have to continue to bring it up. But I mean. Yeah. <laughs> To, to get the I mean the podcast do some of the high-end content creation I mean oh, yeah. I got a lot of people saying hey thanks for sharing your story doing this doing that putting that out there so it, it you're absolutely right I think it's just as if not more important than than some of your on-court results kind of telling those stories and having that outside the lines perspective and, and uh you know and and it makes a lot of sense and and uh you know, when, when we have some of the stories that we have, uh, it's, it's it's good stuff and the people want to yeah. know that. So uh, we always try to balance that out here on the podcast as well, giving results, giving recaps, but trying to put some personal spin on it about our personalities and whatever else. So I think both are important. And, you know, it's just the it's just the day and age that we live in. Uh, it's, it's not really an option if you want to whatever they like to call it, grow your brand or whatever, whatever that is. So uh, yeah. So interesting. I, I I don't know. Did they give you any form of timeline when they could possibly put this out? Are they going to be at the other two events in this, this first season? Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know all the details about, you know, when they're, you know, going to cut this up and, and put it out there, but um, I know they're going to be at Daytona. They're going to be the next two events for sure. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe they'll do like a season one, um, little docu-series based on season one and kind of track us from, from Arizona to Daytona to where, where's the third one at? Uh, San Clemente.
1: So the, the third event of the first season and the second season will both be at San Clemente. So, uh, whatever season ending tournament, whatever you want to call it. So that that's where it will be. So yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. And, uh, you know, they, they got a lot of footage just, you know, at the team dinners and, and, uh, Outside the lines, as as opposed to on the court, as well, and I think yeah. that whole package is what really kind of carries it. And when you can when you can have both of those, it's intriguing to the fans. Because um, I know they were
0: also following. They followed three teams. They followed our, I think, three teams, maybe four. But they, I know they followed Florida Smash as well, which was mm-hmm. you know Travis Travis's team, uh, and then also also the Hustlers, the Hust- which the was Hustlers. Tyson and Rafa Anna Lacey. So yeah. and that that was good because um they had they had some great results and got to they got to the finals right so um yeah so you have you know we didn't do great as a team um i mean a little challenging with a couple of pregnant ladies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no really uh
1: yeah i mean you you made it through though so they made it through was a, yeah there was uh
0: so one and two was, somehow in pool play yeah so this I, is yeah. how it
1: works. so point differential percentage was a big factor and it, several teams the hustlers also went 1 and 2 they started their uh their their first day 0 and 2 and were able to come back after a little help from another team and uh getting a high point differential percentage so uh there's there's a lot of ways to go 2 and 0 and not make it and go 0 and 2 and make it so uh, it was pretty it was pretty spicy uh, almost looked very bleak for a couple teams and they were able to to eke it out and make it to the quarterfinals, all you got to do is make it. So, uh, very true. Yeah. So it it created a lot of, yeah, it created a lot of buzz and a lot of, uh, you know, intrigue that, that you, you know, you can, you can be successful early on or fall flat on your face, starting off the tournament and still have a way and an avenue, uh, to make it through those, those elimination rounds. So, uh, Robert, yeah, slightly different perspective for me. I was in the commentary booth for the entire team of MLP. I, I had done that once before because of a calf injury last year, and it was a really great experience. Much different. Uh, you're actually kind of isolated uh, because I'm, I'm in the booth the whole time. If I get any extra time, I'm kind of running to the restroom or trying to grab yeah. food. So when you're when you're down there as a player, you have lots of off time in between matches. You're a little more in the mix, in the player's lounge, kind of getting the vibe of, of how everyone's feeling about the tournament and this and that. So it was a different perspective. Uh, and I tell you what, a lot of respect to Michelle McMahon, Cameron Irwin, Cameron Blackwood, uh, I believe it was uh, Dom and Chad, Morgan Evans and Brandon Pong. When, when you're out there for eight hours a day for four hours straight, having to come up with, you know, good things to say about all these situations and whatever, it is very taxing. So a lot of respect to those guys. I, I've only done this maybe 10 or 12 times and never – the amount of hours that many days in a row. So those guys that are out there week in and week out, lots of respect and a shout out to them because it is very difficult. I found myself staring at the wall. My brain was mush afterwards. I wanted, people were going, having dinner, having a good old time. I just want to go home and and eat something and go to sleep. So uh, it was definitely some real work out there. I felt like I had some glimpses of my A game, and then I would dip down to my C game and then maybe catch a second win. So it's it's pretty tough in, in the commentary booth coming up with, with material that whole time, but it was a very enjoyable experience overall.
0: Love it. Yeah, it, it, I can only imagine. It's gotta be tough to maintain that energy throughout the day over eight hours. Um, you know, the, the MLP format has to help that a little bit because you kind of have the excitement and energy built into it, right? Versus like a tournament day where maybe it's just kind of like a ho-ho match. Like all of these are pretty exciting and pretty intense. So I would imagine that helps on the commentating side a bit. No, it absolutely but, does.
1: And it's, it's, it's wild the difference uh, in energy <laughs> and just uh, that compared to, you know, a regular tournament where you know it's going to be a grind if you want to even sniff the medal rounds. So to have these scheduled matchups. Uh, a little bit shorter format with the uh rally scoring it really is different and i'm sure i sounded like a broken record on the on the stream but it, it really is so different and mlp like i said nothing else like it uh
0: um, even if you were a broken record i tell you what the people love you the people I mean, those <laughs> the people the people love you those those the comments in the youtube chat like everybody wants adam stone on the mic gotta well, have hey. it Got I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm tooting your horn for you. You don't need to do it today yes. for yourself. Wow. Me. I got you. Wow. I got you. Hey, we still, I
1: mean, we're only 18 minutes in. We still got some time. I can probably sneak in some tooting. Oh, there. I'm sure. You thank I'm sure you, you. But yeah. thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. And man, this was crazy. We talked about it previously in the podcast. Not uh, this format is not figured out yet. How good do your singles team need to be and whatever the percentage of dream breakers was next level. This tournament, I believe the figure quoted for Columbus end of last year was forty percent. Don't know the exact percentage of dream breakers this year, but it had to be over fifty. They were we were constantly having dream breakers, and we saw obviously having a good singles team on paper is fantastic. But we saw all kinds of teams uh, making a splash in the dream breaker, good and bad, and uh, it's 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 just so exciting. We had multiple men versus women matchups. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a great thing they they trademarked it for a reason, dream breakers, uh, very exciting for the fans, the commentators and the players.
0: Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, the, the atmosphere at MLP, um, filling up that stadium court in Mesa is, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, I don't know how many people that seats, but I mean, it was standing room only. You had every seat in the bleachers filled, you had people standing, trying to get a glimpse, um that atmosphere was probably the best atmosphere I've seen in pickleball, probably. Um, what was it? The, was it the fives versus the the hustlers? Was that it? Where that, I mean, yes, yes, that was the, uh, it was a semi yeah. right? no, it was quarter yeah. or semi.
1: That was the semi. And that's what, that's when you had, uh, the hustler setting their lineup first with Tyson McGuffin at number one and Anna Lee Waters choosing to play him. I mean yeah. that I mean come on that is that is just good stuff right there yeah. when when they set their lineup first they fu- and Anna Lee wants Tyson as the in the number 1 spot I mean that is made for uh, made for TV situation
0: I mean there are so many good storylines in that one right you had that you had um, Anna Anna Bright playing playing James and Mix yes. you had, and, uh, you, had <laughs> and you had Leia going against Tyson
1: Yes, and not holding anything back. No, uh, Anna and James. It w- it was just like wow. Stare downs, fist pumps, come ons. Like you would have you would have thought maybe she toned it down ten yeah. percent because it's James. I think she ramped it up ten percent <laughs> or more because it was James. Yes, yeah. and like you said, the you know the. Uh, I mean, we had Leah Jansen on this podcast a month or two ago saying that she was going to play this year with Tyson McGuffin, and all of a sudden uh, he's playing with Catherine Parento. No, no idea the specifics or or, or what happened there, but it's obviously a storyline and something that is, uh, is is there. So, uh, you're exactly right. Tons of storylines and and lots of reasons to like that matchup. And it did not disappoint on court as well.
0: Yeah. And I, I, have said this before, man. Um, you probably have a unique perspective on this being in the booth. Uh, but one thing that I always like, that I always want to know is like, when I'm watching a match, like the importance of what's happening right? Like we got into uh, like the, the match we lost to go one and two in our pool play. Um, We still, we lost that, but we, we thought it was a must win to advance. Mm -hmm. We lost in the dream breaker. I believe it was 21, 18 or 19 or something. And we were able to still advance, but to know, like kind of in real time while that match is going that, okay, if, if the aces get to, X number of points in the dream breaker, they advance or they don't to know that stuff would be like, I mean, that's just compelling. That's like compelling must watch sure. TV. You know what I mean? I like, see. cause yeah. everything, the tension builds, everything's on the line, even as a player, I didn't know. Right. I had no idea. Right. I thought like we had to win to advance, right. but if we, like, if they knew, for example, and you guys could, you guys could elaborate, you know, doing the commentary that if this team gets to 18, they move on. If they don't, they don't. And, uh, it would just, it would create so much good tension that would just be fascinating to watch.
1: Right. And no, I think, I, I think, no, you're, you're, you're exactly, yeah, I'm just going to say you're exactly right. And we knew like percentage, or we could see kind of the point, the point, uh, uh, percentage distribution, but we didn't know the actual number of points and you're exactly right. You guys, I believe got off to a two ten start in that dream breaker. And I knew it was something in the like four to eight point range, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So if you guys don't come back, uh, pretty reasonably, there's a very good chance you don't advance. And if we know the exact specifics of the points and you could relay that to the, to the fans, I think it would be very, very palpable how tight and how real everything was. I, I don't know how realistic that is in terms of live, live scoring and whatever else, but you're exactly right, Rob. I think, uh, if the fans actually knew that you could, it, it would make the viewing even that much better.
0: No, absolutely. And I mean, it brings up an interesting point, right? Like going into this event, like I know the rules were out there and like, it was going off point differential, but I didn't, as a player, I didn't know that you, as, as a bad team captain, I didn't know that. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, I was, so I was surprised. Like we lost our first one three zeros. Like, Oh, that was ugly. I thought we were still going to play the fourth, the fourth, uh, you know, the fourth match, the second mixed match. And they were like, no, we're done. And I was uh, like, it it took me by surprise uh, because typically we went by games, uh, instead of point differential in the past, I believe. So yes. Uh, Um, and I think they're going to move back to games, correct? So I, I I just found it interesting that they went off point differential instead of games.
1: Yeah. Right. And I actually flubbed that in the booth as well. So I got, a little confused. Uh I I misread it as point differential, not point differential percentage. Right. So I I knew I read the rules and I knew that they weren't playing the fourth game. And then I saw that point differential and I was like, well, they have to play the fourth fourth game. And I actually said that on air, which was a big mistake. And I got yeah. I got my my partner, Cameron Irwin, a little bit in trouble in that regard. So my bad there. But yes, you're exactly right, Rob. I do believe they are going back to obviously matches one then game differential and then down to the point differential so we we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later there there was a a text message sent out to the MLP players about some changes they're going to make uh, for the for the next uh, MLP and i think that that's good that they put that out there uh you know I always relate this to fantasy fantasy sports or poker and my buddy and i kind of came up with the perfect rule uh, a set of rules for our baseball league and we thought that there was no way anyone could find a loophole or whatever. There's always something that happens. So it doesn't matter how perfect your plan is. Someone's going to find a loophole. Someone's going to take advantage of something. So this is this is just growing pains and process of getting that perfect set of rules in place. And there was no way it was going to be perfect, uh, you know, given how quickly everything came together. So great job by MLP uh a couple days after the event sending out a message about how they are gonna uh, tweak some things that that didn't go perfectly and that's that's a great job by them uh rob you gotta i see that yeah that 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 was your segue for you to start talking and you have a mouthful of food what's
0: up with that robert hey we're having breakfast together (laughs) this is is a moment buddy
1: yeah it's a moment
0: uh, what, so, I, what I really want is this biscuit right here, but ooh, I'm trying biscuits. to like, like bread's, bread's messing up my stomach quite a bit. So I'm trying to avoid it, oh. but I love oh, it. Man. I love it did a you know, lot. Did you know biscuits are my favorite? It's my favorite, Adam.
1: Yeah, they're so good. They're so good. Anyway, so well, let's. what's your,
0: what's your, what's your favorite um, jam or thing to put on a biscuit?
1: Well, I, I actually, I will obviously go. Uh, sweet occasionally, but I'm more of a biscuit sandwich kind of guy. Yeah. We have this place here. We have a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit sandwich. And it's, it's just, it's next level. Like I, every time I eat it, I'm just making noises, you know, like, oh, oh my God, so good. So uh, I'm a biscuit guy. You put some meat, some egg and some cheese on there. I mean, I, if you don't like that, there's something wrong with
0: you. I like biscuit sandwiches, but to be honest, I would go, um, honey would be my top. Mm-hmm. just a biscuit with honey. And then two would be apple butter. People from oh. the South don't always know what apple butter is. Apple butter is a okay. bomb. Okay. You know what apple butter is, right? I mean, I do, but I don't believe
1: I've ever had it before. What? Yeah, I don't think so.
0: Adam, you're in so. North Carolina now, buddy. You have to get some apple butter. Please do that today. Please. And some, get some chicken bog. Chicken, yeah. chicken bog. I don't know what that is, but apple butter. Get on it. And then third, yeah. strawberry, strawberry jam. Okay. Yeah, we honey, have this. Apple butter, strawberry jam. We have this local place that does like.
1: Strawberry blackberry preserves like, I, I, oh, my gosh, it's very expensive, but it's just so good. And uh, it's like dessert. If you get a good jam yes. or a good jelly, it's like dessert. So uh, I'm all for it. OK, Robert, next up, we're going to talk a little bit about the referees. And uh, let's be clear here. This is a thankless job. These guys are, you know, getting paid peanuts. They're out there doing what they love. Uh, but I do think that there was a couple issues with some some of the refereeing in this tournament. Uh, You can always use the classic line, the best referee is the one that you don't remember. And I think that there was a couple times that uh, a few referees kind of inserted themselves in this uh, format and in this tournament, which, you know, uh, I believe maybe could have been an issue. So one, first off, we'll talk about you. You had your toe on the baseline for a serve during one of your matches. And I don't, I just cannot even remember. Uh, I'm not sure it has happened where I've seen that called in a tournament. We also had a situation similar, Rob, where we had in a dream breaker, we had Tyson McGuffin who pivoted right on the center line and they called him over the center line, not over the baseline, over the center line on his serve uh, called him for that.
0: That's a tough call from uh, from the side of the court to know yes. if you're for sure over the center line, that's, that's tough. Right. Because the the best angle on that's like we see it sometimes if you're looking at the court right behind it and you can see that you're right on the center line and you can see if a foot comes over it. But from the side like that, that's a really hard call to make.
1: Right. And I want to know your perspective. So I would say the center line is a little different. Uh, I saw the replay. Your toe was was on the baseline. Were you able to see it at like point of contact, point of contact? Exactly. So all we had was your foot. All we had was your yeah. foot, exactly.
0: So who, who cares where my foot is? Because if I hit the ball before my foot goes over, then it's a non-issue.
1: Right. And you also have the kind of the weight transfer. When, when, right. you're, on, when you're on your heel, there's a couple inches of your toe that's not touching the line. And then right. as you transfer your weight forward, your toe comes down. So yeah. without point of contact, that's tough to call. But Rob, how about this? Do you think even though that these were, if, 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 the point of contact, your toe was on the line, or Tyson crossed the center line. Do you think, given how infrequently, almost never, that this is called, that it should possibly be relayed to the players from the official, uh, from the referee, that they are creeping close to this situation, and if it happens again, it's going to have to be called. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, to be honest, it doesn't bother me that it was that I that I lost my point, that I lost a point on that. Um, what bothers me is that that's such a hard call to make and to be so certain, like to, to make that call, you have to be so certain that I was on the line at point of contact, which I just feel like that's really hard to do. Um, same with Tyson being across the center line. And that's such a hard call to make. And it doesn't like my issue with it is that it doesn't really give, like I'm not hitting bomb serves, right? Like I think the bigger issue is the waist thing, right? Like why are we look like why are we seeing if a toe's on the line and making such a judgment call on that when um you know the bigger advantage serving is point of contact and whether you're hitting down on it or not. You know, that's that's the bigger issue. So why are we looking at these weird issues of center line and maybe the toes on the line at point of contact? Like so I don't mind losing the point, but it has to be it has to be like a very obvious call.
1: Yes. Uh no, no, that that that's that's well said and yeah, it's it's tough because the rules are the rules. I mean, I'm a rule guy. That's that's why they're in place. Uh but when there's a little gray area or it's something like I said that is just never called ever. I mean, yeah. I'm talking like like you said, talking like you said 150, once, yeah. 150 150 175 tournament sample size that I've played in my whatever five or six year career and I've never seen it uh, uh, Called before, and it's called. You, you were in just a general point of your game, which is really no. An ex- I
0: it, I, ch- I challenge it. It was it was one. It was one two. I was serving it one. Wow, two. wow,
1: so early, and you lose your challenge. Tyson was in a dream breaker when it was called on him. No relay from the ref, just saying, "Hey Tyson, you're a little tight on the center line. Be careful. I'm gonna yeah. have to call it." So. I, I think that that's just something a little wild, given the moment that was called. Even though technically it was the correct call, there has to be some form of communication in my maybe, opinion. Maybe, maybe the correct call. Maybe the correct call. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, moving so you feel on like, to, but,
0: but, but you feel like um, you think the more reasonable thing would be for the for the ref to just give a heads up: "Hey, careful there! You're getting close to it. Uh, if, yeah. if I see it again, I'll have to call it."
1: Right. That's, that's what I think. And I know that that is gray area and a little bit dicey, but man, there it's, it's just so hard given the moment you never been called ever in your career. And then there's, you know, a little piece or or you're creeping close to the line or Tyson on the sideline. You got, I think you got to give them a heads up or you had, just have to call it a little more consistently. And then it'll be in the mind of the player as opposed to just, kind of jumping out there in a big spot and calling it that's
0: that's really really dicey to me dude and if you think about it like this isn't a regular tournament like if you if you get caught on that on your serve you lose a point you don't just lose your serve right like you're down a point and that's a big deal and not only that but it's just strange that like at the ppa right like the whole the whole jay and tyson debacle with jay just cracking serves from his shoulder it's like and and it went in, so he didn't lose he didn't lose a serve on that. He just had a reserve, right? So like, okay, we're doing reserves on something ridiculous like that right. when and a toe might be on the line, might not be in the line. You're gonna lose a point on that, and actually lose a point because it's rally scoring and not side out scoring.
1: No, that's a yeah. that's a that's a really good point. Actually, I didn't really think of it that way, but uh, yeah, very very true. And then of course, <laughs> Rob, we had the uh, split step heard around the world from James Ignatowich. And this is another situation to me where it's clear in the rules that there can be, there's a hindrance and then there's a distraction. Okay. And we saw it often kind of on some YouTube videos when we used to have those 140 ball cross court dink rallies between women and mixed doubles. And then you have the guy sitting down or the guy waving his paddle. Turning around backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Turning around backwards. The famous Kyle Yates, Kyle Yates one. So there is a real distraction. I know sometimes Dave Weinbach kind of waves his paddle when he's not getting the ball or something like that. Yeah. But James Ignatowicz even said it. He's a psychopath out there. His, his, feet, footwork, are, his feet are, like, his calm feet down, are bro. constant. His feet are constant. His, his, he's on his toes doing cr- crazy footwork. He's split stepping hard, whether it's the back of the court, uh, in the midcourt, or even at the kitchen line like we saw. So to Make that call in that moment. I don't know what it was. It was like 18, 16, so or 19, yeah. 17, or something like that. To make that call without delivering some form of warning to him, because yeah. he's obviously been doing it the whole match. Yeah, it wasn't like that outlier. Yeah, it's not like he just
0: uh, out of nowhere it was, does it. Like, yeah, it's been not doing like he it was, every point.
1: Right. He's not walking to the kitchen line and then at 17, 19 does a hard split step. That's what he does. So you have to relay that to him and say, hey, Be careful. Uh, You can hear a pin drop on these points. You're split stepping hard. I've seen your opponent react a little bit to that split step. You you, got to calm it down or I'm going to have to call it. You have to relay that to him. You can't just wait till 1917 or whatever it was and then call and call a distraction on a split step. Uh, So yeah, definitely some gray area in these calls, but man, they're just in such big spots. Something's got to change.
0: Yeah. And my issue with that is um, like, yeah. I mean, that, that, that clip kind of went everywhere. Everybody kind of saw that. Club. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty bad look for pickleball in my opinion. Um, when stuff like that's being called, like you have tennis players looking at that clip going like, what is pickleball? Why? Like really? You can't split that? Like it just, it, it's just a little bit of a bad look for the sport. Um, sure. and it's just like an unnecessary call. Right. It's like, I get, I get like by the, by the rule book, right? Like the ref was in. The ref was like he could call that, and he did. Right, right, um, yeah, right, because it like it is distracting. It is a big split step, and he did it kind of right when she was hitting, which is when you're supposed to split step. Um, so I, I see it both ways. I, I I don't I don't I don't necessarily hate the call mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like it is within his right to make that call. But at the same time, I 100 percent agree that like you have to you have to just. Pull, pull James over and say, look, this is, you know, if you keep doing it like that, like I'm, I might have to call this, right? But like mm-hmm. you can't just to call it in a big spot. First one that I've, I mean, that's the first split step hindrance I've ever seen. I don't right. know if yeah, you've seen too. it before. So to, to, to do too. it in such a big match at that point in time, you just can't do it. And yeah. I think they, they ended up replaying the point, right?
1: I believe that is correct, yes. Yeah, but so but but, Rob, that's it's a great point. You led me right into it. I've never seen the toe on the line, your instance. I've never seen the the crossing the center line, which I think actually happens a decent amount. I think uh, those too.
0: yeah,
1: uh, and then I've never seen the hard split step. So how are we how how in my hundred and seventy five tournaments have I never seen that? and then an MLP, the biggest the biggest tournament of ever in pickleball, probably up until this point? have all three of those gotten called so can't be it's it can't be perfect but man it feels like it could have been better
0: you know but why yeah why why are we looking at weird little nuances and why aren't we like why aren't these refs watching the lines like a hawk right because that's another issue adam like that we'll go right into is is line calls like there were a lot of over over overrules. um a lot of calls got overturned after review and like the same kind of point as last year is like you can make these calls we're playing for real money. Now you can mm-hmm. make these calls without having, without being penalized. So why wouldn't you call right. them all out if you're like that hungry to win? Right? Like, sure. I don't agree. Like, be honest, be like, have integrity, make the right call, mm-hmm. but not everybody's gonna do that, Adam. So we got to have That's something sure. like when I talk to people about like pro pickleball, they're like, hold on, you, you call your own lines. It's the honor system. When you're playing for real money, you have a $5 million person. You're, you're making your own calls. What, what, it just puts yeah. a big onus on the players, right? And sure. to, to to make the right call, um, which is a it's a difficult thing for some.
1: No, uh, a- absolutely true. And let's be clear: when there's one referee, they they, they have no shot. They're yeah. they're they're focused on the kitchen line as completely. They be. Yeah, as they should be. Completely get it. Almost no way to be locked into feet, jerk your head, and make a clean call on, on the lines. But we're on the two ref system. Even have a ref sitting down behind the head ref. So maybe we're on a two and a half ref system or something, whatever. Uh, so, so it, it's kind of wild. I, I don't know if they're watching the kitchen line as well, but it seems like they should have the head ref on the kitchen line. And then one ref that's always looking at the lines. And I know a lot of these balls are hit quick. You can get blocked. Uh, you can be on the far sideline. It's difficult, but there is a lot of, pressure on the players to make their own calls and kind of knowing that the referees rarely uh, overturn is just another factor that allows them to do that. So uh, let's go through that real quick through this uh, the text message of what they are looking at uh, changing for the, for the rules. So number one, all group stays met all group stage matches will be played to four games and the net games It'll be match win, then it'll be games one, and then it'll go to points instead of just games one to point differential. I think that's great. Uh, Nice nice job MLP addressing that. Penalties for multiple calls overruled in a game slash match will be implemented. Exact details to be determined, but it will be some combination of losing challenges, losing timeouts, and possibly losing points. Great job, MLP. Fantastic there. And then here we go. Number three premier teams will be able to choose from not only eliminated challenger players, but also on site alternates during the event. Additionally, premier teams may select an undrafted free agent player from the approved draft pool if a player is injured prior to an event. This may only be done after the challenger team's waiver wire process is over. Okay, so that's just giving some more options for players to fill in. As we know, you cannot put uh, drop and add players in the premier league because they are already spoken for from a challenger team. Yeah. And they're trying to give more options for fill-ins uh, given a variety of situations. Uh, and then number four, MLP wants to keep the fire and fist pumping intensity of the team format while upholding the values of sportsmanship. So MLP will address guidelines and boundaries for player and coaches to come on the court during play in between points. I think that's a great job. Uh, we saw we saw the fire, we saw the injury, it's palpable down there on the court, but there was an occasional situation where an owner or GM was a little too on the court and maybe even some possible player, extended player coaching in between points where they're oh, out yeah. on the court. Uh, so that's great. I think it's an awesome job by them. Uh, noticing these things and then getting some instant message to the players talking about it, how they're going to do some things in regards uh, to these points.
0: Yeah. I think it's important because like on that last point with the, with the coaches um, family GMs being on court for these, like I remember it was the, the fives and the, they were playing a mixed match. That was really important. And it went Mm -hmm. like, it went really deep and it was just back and forth. And I remember like, like the pace of play was so slow. So if we're talking about, you know, needing consistent pace of play with rally scoring for TV, we can't have people on court coaching after every single point. Like, I mean, the pace of play was so slow based on, you know, that, that hoopla after every single point. It's like, we got to keep it moving. You know, if you have a timeout, call it, you know, if you need to coach, but let's, let's keep the pace of play going.
1: No, definitely. So, uh, Yeah. So that's great that they're addressing that. And they noticed that uh, uh, they always send out a survey uh, and I don't think they've even done that yet. So the, they they sent out this message before even having the survey they knew it was a point of emphasis. So that's great. Uh, Robert, so uh, would you like to talk about the Utah black diamond situation?
0: Sure, Adam. Um, Okay. You want to lead me into
1: it? Sure. So basically what happened guys is uh, the Brooklyn aces were playing the Utah Black Diamonds, and I believe it was Rob Cassidy and Olivia McMillan versus Greg Dow and Corinne Carr in this specific match.
0: Greg Dow and, and – um, no,
1: it was, was it, C- it was CGL. Okay, it was yep. CGL. Sierra and Guyton Leach. And basically what happened was earlier in that match, I believe the Brooklyn Aces made a call and used their own challenge
0: on their own call. Is that correct? Yeah, there's uh, – a so we – we thought, we thought there might be an out ball, but we called it in. So we challenged mm-hmm. our in call just to, just gotcha. to make sure, just to be, you know, fair. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And the ball, the ball was in, so we're glad we did it. Right. And didn't call the right. ball out. Right. And, right, right, uh, right. But yeah, but we lost our challenge for that.
1: Right. Okay. And so later in the match, Greg Dow had a overhead. Uh, both players from the black diamonds were back at the baseline and he ripped an overhead turned out on replay. It was just inside the line. Uh, Rob Cassidy called that ball out. He's looking down on it. Tough call for Rob. And then Rob within a handful of seconds says, okay, let's, let me, I want to challenge my own call. And there was some slight discussion uh, about that. Uh, Seemed like some people, some players on the team wanted to uh, make that call and use their own challenge against the call. And what the rules uh, set up from MLP that decision goes to the team captain of the team. So it doesn't matter what the other players want. It's the team captain's choice whether to allow their team to challenge their own call or just scrap it, uh, and there will be no challenge because you'll use your challenge earlier in the match. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so basically what happened was – Michelle Escabel was the team captain, and she decided that there is uh, that she does not want to challenge the call. They're going to play it as is, and a couple of points later, you guys end up losing that match. Uh, what are your thoughts about that specific situation,
0: Robert? No, so we lost the match on that call. So it was. Oh, it was, that was match point. It was, was it, point. it was. It was 2017. So we win that point. We get to 18. We go to side out scoring, which is mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, versus 2017, it's an out call game over. We're down two, one. Um, and then, you know, climbing an uphill battle to, to, to knot it up at two. Um, but yeah, so, so right when it happened, Cassidy was like, Cassidy was like, I saw it out, but of course, of course we'll challenge it. I'll challenge my own call all good. So then at that point I just kind of sat down and was like, okay, cool. They're, they're going to, you know, we'll challenge it. We'll, they'll sh-. you know, I saw like from the guys, they were like, yeah, it was in, it was way in. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. So it will be 2018. We'll move forward here and keep fighting. and Hopefully we can claw our way back and, and try to get a W here. Cause we need it. And after a while, um, Courtney, Courtney Johnson is like, what's going on? Are you guys, uh, is there a challenge? And I'm like, yeah, they said that they're challenging it. They said that. So let's, let's get moving. And then, um, Michelle just jumps on court and starts warming up. I'm like, what, 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 what's happening? Why are you warming up for your match when this match isn't over? And, um, then I go talk to her like, Michelle, what's going on? Like you're challenging her. And she just flips out and like starts yelling at the ref saying, I told you not to let them talk to me. I'm like, what? Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm just, what? That,
1: that, that was for you guys, meaning her opponent her opposing players. Her, her, her. Yeah. She was like, that, Oh, okay. Like, okay. She wouldn't even
0: talk to me. She was like, talk. Like I asked her a question, like, what's going on? I thought you are going to challenge this call. Um, it was, it was in Michelle. Just like, I know you don't want to win like that. And then she flips out on the ref going, I told you not to let them talk to me, like talking about me. I'm like, what, what? Like, <laughs> okay. And then, um, yeah, there's this big, you know, hoopla. She didn't, Michelle wouldn't challenge it. Um, Connor Pardo's there is the team owner. And towards the end, like when all this stuff calmed down and they decided not to challenge, Connor's like, I wanted to challenge, but now it's too late. I wanted to challenge. But come on, dude. If you wanted a challenge, you you would have told Michelle like Michelle, that was then. Let's do this the right way. Let's do, like, you need to challenge it. I'm the team owner. You're the captain. Yes, but you need to challenge this call because we got to do this the right way. And um, just yeah, she ref- she refused. And you know, if Connor wanted to do that, I think he could have done that. He didn't do that, which is disappointing, right? You're you know, you're a team owner. You're the commissioner of the PPA. I believe that's this title. Uh, and in my eyes, it's just a really bad look.
1: No, gotcha. And I, I yeah, I, I don't really know any of the details with the owner, the other players. I saw the Rob Cassidy say he wanted to challenge it, but I, I was just kind of informed of the rules, which, as a coach, GM, and commentator, I probably should have known.
0: <laughs> like you, like oh, you said Adam. Adam, Adam here, here's the here's the deal with this with this rule. I think it's it's, I think it's nonsense because it's not consistent. Like I, hmm. I can't name one other challenge throughout the whole event where it had to have team captain approval. Right. No, the, right. the player on the, the player on the court wants to challenge it. They tell the ref they want to challenge it. It goes to video review right away. Sure. Not one of these other calls had to go through a team captain. To, through like, a team the ref, captain, the right. ref didn't ask the team captain. The player on the right. court challenges it. They send it to the booth. It's a challenge like I didn't see one other instance where it had to go to a team captain for approval. And it it was weird that it had to do that in this instance. And I also just think it's a silly rule. Like the player on the, the player on the court wants to challenge their call, challenge the call. Why does that need to go to a team captain for approval?
1: Yeah. No, just maybe that's another kink. Maybe they'll address that. It wasn't in a text message, but no, that's, that, that's a tough situation. And yeah, it's not a, it's not a great, it's not a great look. I, I, being a, uh, father to be, I wanted to have a couple choice words with Michelle, uh, that weekend and I decided against it. I think that was a good decision. Uh, yeah. unfortunately not the first time she's made a questionable decision, uh, in terms of that kind of stuff towards her fellow competitors. And, you know, maybe <laughs> there you go. Per- per- perfect. Uh, little, little coffee mug there. So, uh, I think, I think I'll probably just stop there. Uh, There was another instance in Atlanta Metro last year and, you know, it's just tough and it's too bad. And I I just kind of thought being a veteran, a game playing with and against these players constantly that, you know, maybe she would rise above and make a better decision. And I I don't think she did in either instance. So uh, that's too bad. I would very, very much gladly say that right to her face, not, as a keyboard warrior, like I'm doing right now <laughs> yeah, uh, but but behind uh, the scene, but it's yeah. just really, it's really tough, Rob. I I, I don't love it. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just too bad.
0: Yeah. And it's not saying that if that, you know, if they, if they do challenge that call that is going to change the outcome of the match, sure, but I will, sure, but, I, sure, but, sure, but sure. I will say that like before our mixed match, you know, I played with, I played with Corinne, And I mean, she had to, like, she needed to take a break because she was crying and she went to like the VIP tent just to get a moment try to collect herself and then came on court and was was still crying as at the start of the match. And that's no way to start a match where, you know, you you need to win. So that, that it was just, it was a really tough spot to be in. I felt so bad for her. I wish I could go back and play better in that match to get the, to get the win and pick her up. But, you know, it's not how it went. And yeah, like, like you said, it's just an unfortunate situation and disappointing in a lot of senses, but, but it, it happened and it is what it yeah. is. So
1: yeah. Before... And, and, and let's be clear, Corinne is, uh, an emotional, uh, hormonal pregnant lady right now, hey, yeah. but, I, but I'll tell you right now, if, if that's an isolated event and that's the only thing that has happened between those two, I think Corinne just says, ah, dang yeah. And, and starts playing. And unfortunately it is not, there has very, very, very much been on-court issues between Michelle and her, uh, throughout the last couple of years with a couple pretty heavy instances of, um, you know, what I would consider, uh, unfortunate behavior. So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. It was a tough spot and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get that cleaned up and maybe a rule in place to, to make the players on court have as much, uh, power as as the team captain in that situation. Go ahead, Rob, I can
0: tell. I've got a, yeah, I've got a great note on this. And it's something that other pro sports leagues implement because, you know, at that juncture in a game, it's, it's incredibly important, right. To get the, to get the call, right. Regardless Mm -hmm. of like whether the player wants to challenge. I think once you get to kind of that 20 spot or maybe even a little bit before uh, maybe, maybe it's a combined number of points. Maybe it's, maybe it's a combined number of, you know, if the game's at 35 points plus, you know, there's, there's, you know, it goes to rest and choose to challenge it themselves, right? It goes to video review based on the juncture in the game versus having to rely on a player to do it because the most important thing here is actually getting the call, right? Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. So just going to like an official review and have them do it because it's the, it's, it's an important juncture in the game. There's a lot of money on the line. I feel like that's an important thing that they should look at and consider doing because um, just because you're out of a challenge doesn't mean you should get the call. They should get the call wrong at the end of the game.
1: Right. Don't they have something where it's like uh, it goes to a booth challenge on a two minute warning or something like that for football, I think. So yeah. I, I think that's a similar situation to what you're talking about.
0: Because uh, you don't so, want to have the wrong call at that point in the game. You sure. Want to have totally. the right call.
1: Totally. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I have no doubt they'll get it situated and they've been talking about that, the MLP hires up higher ups. So uh, one last thing before we get into some specific player and team performances, Rob, I know you have mentioned this a couple of times, but we saw a variety of kind of elements come into play for this event. We had uh, while it cleared out in the afternoon, we had some early matches with some shadows and some light on the main court. We had uh, some wind issues as well. Uh, It wasn't consistent. It kind of was quiet in the morning, kind of picked up in the afternoon. And we also had some issues with the cold, uh, not issues, but some cold ball affecting play, affecting game styles. I know that you have been a proponent in the past of making pickleball a little more frequently indoor sport. Do you think that would have cleaned up some of the issues and maybe given a better – product to casual fans, some cleaner points, less easy mistakes, and, and you know, kind of more winning the point exchanges, uh winners as opposed to errors. What do you think, Rob?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think I'm a big proponent of pickleball being indoors. Uh, I think it's a cleaner, it's a cleaner product. It's you know like there's there's some funny memes on on Instagram, like the Challenger League, right? And it was the first day like what, what we played on what Thursday? And that's when the conditions were by far the worst. It was it very was windy. windy. It was cold. It was like the ball was really swirling and you saw people like you saw full on whiffs, right? Like it's like, it's not good pickleball and it's not even necessarily like real pickleball, like where you're judging things based on skill. It's just like whoever can out hack it that day. Um, so it, it, we already see kind of craziness with MLP, with rally scoring. You have a lot more upsets with the freeze. Um, the better team doesn't always win in one game to 21. Like, I think we see that all the time and to have even more kind of variables and chaos thrown in with the weather is just, We're I mean, it's getting to the point where it's like, it's not, it's not a great look in my opinion and I think if it is indoors you know you'll have you'll still like nothing changes you'll still have great pickleball you'll still have insane insight excitement Uh, I think the environment atmosphere is probably even going to be better if you have a good stadium court indoors like because it's so loud and the cheering's even louder the ball echoing's even louder like I love that I thought Columbus was great I think there's some things you clean up and make you know make maybe make the stands a bit bigger and more intimate and that kind of thing but I think indoor pickleball is where it should be. I think it it eliminates a lot of factors for for broadcast as well. like you you know, let's say MLPs at same two or three venues a year. You know exactly where the camera should be, you know exactly how to shoot it. It's more consistent. I think there's a lot, a lot of positives about going all indoors, you know, maybe not for all the tournaments, but for MLP especially, I think it's a great move. And I think it's a better product and it's cleaner pickleball. And it's just a better viewing experience and a better playing experience. Not, I tell you what, it's not very fun to play in that as a player either.
1: All right. Break it down, Robert. Well said. Um, so I think that that is about all I have in terms of just general MLP stuff. We'll talk a little more specifically about some of the players and teams. Uh, we'll just start off with the Challenger League winners, the Bay Area Breakers. That team consisted of Christian Alshon. Pablo Teyes, Rachel Summers, and Eva Radzikowska. And I thought that this, on paper, uh, was very much a high-risk, high-reward team. You had some very much unknowns, pretty much three unknowns in Pablo. So Christian, he's a nice self-promoter. He's been, he's been playing for a few months now. Rachel Summers, very much a part-time player, very serious with her med school and, and some life stuff going on being an army, in the Army as well. And then Eva Radzikowska, who's only played a handful of APPs, known more of a singles player. And I'll tell you what, it absolutely panned out for this squad. Eva Radzikowska played like a veteran. I thought her decision-making was phenomenal. Uh, even some of the soft stuff that you don't see from a newer doubles player, Rachel Summers, was one of my pick-to-clicks in terms of Uh, like a value play to get at the end of the draft. No one knows much about her. I've only seen her at a next gen series against some lesser competition. And then you have, of course, Alshon, who has all the athleticism in the world, but, uh, you know, definitely not a a large sample size of results and some of the soft stuff. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the breakers and what you thought of them going into the tournament and what you thought of them after the tournament.
0: Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. Like, I didn't think Alshon was a big question mark per se. I kind of you know, you know what you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to get a, a, you know, these guys coming in from tennis, like you're going to have a good mixed player right out of the gate pretty much. Obviously a good singles player. Um, Doubles was a question mark, but he seemed to be solid enough. Right. Um, The big question mark on that team on paper, I think was Rachel and, and Eva and they, they, they played fantastic. They stepped up and you know, it was, it was a big, you know, they upside play. I know you, you were high on Rachel before, Uh, you said, I think she smoked everybody in the next gen. So it was hard to say how good she was going to be, but she, she definitely held up and did more than hold up, you know, was, was super clutch and super consistent. And, you know, Eva, Eva had some great singles results already, but maybe not a lot of good doubles results. And again, it looks like she made a lot of, she made a big leap forward in terms of doubles and was really consistent and good decision-making, like you said. And yeah, it, it all just came together for them and, um, yeah, big props to the breakers.
1: Yeah, well, well drafted by the breakers. Uh, we'll see how they how they come out as a slightly more known commodity in this in this second one, and that'll you know that's that that's always a factor. You know, you just you're just you're a high upside team with a little teeny bit of expectations. You win the tournament, you come in, you got a couple months to think about it. You got uh, some expectations on social media and your friends, and then you come out. We'll see how they respond in that next tournament. But either way. Phenomenal job by the barrier breakers kind of harnessing that upside and some of the uncertainty and and playing big, uh, playing big on the court. Uh, A couple things about the premier, you know, we talked multiple times about some of the higher draft picks and that creates a little bit of a weaker back end of the draft. And then the more solid teams that say drafted in the eight to 12 spot And then they had a much quicker pick in that last, that fourth round. So they're a little tighter. As we saw, one of those teams was the winner, the Los Angeles Mad Drops. They had Catherine Parento, Irina Tereschenko, uh, Thomas Wilson, and Julian Arnold. So I believe that that is an incredibly balanced, solid roster with nothing maybe earth-shattering coming off the page. No early picks as well. Uh, So uh, awesome job by them. They, they only lost one game throughout the entire tournament. Wild, yeah. And Julian Arnold, as I said on the broadcast, very much a high-risk, high-reward player. Has he reached a new level, or did we just see him playing great in the moment, using the energy, and just playing hot for this particular tournament? I have no idea, but either way, LA Mad Drops, well played.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely certain players that, are suited for MLP style play over tournament play, uh, where the moment's bigger, the crowd's bigger. People are watching the energy, like the, you know, the energy you have feeds off the crowd and it comes back and you're stoked. I think Rafa Hewitt's a big, um, you know, player like that. I think Julian's a big player like that. And I think, you know, looking, looking, moving forward and looking at draft picks and how to draft teams, I think energy honestly is probably underrated. I think energy is right up there with singles ability in terms of looking at, can they play all three events? Do they have great energy? Cause I, you know, looking at our team that I feel like that was a big hole for us is we didn't come out with a ton of positive energy. Like we were kind of flat footed a lot. We got into big holes early and it was tough to climb out of them. And I think mm-hmm. if you have that energy out of the gate, it's it's less of an issue because you're really focused and locked in and dialed in from the get. So, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, team construction moving forward, I think team energy, like, you know, player energy and team energy and chemistry as a whole is a really, really big deal and probably undervalued right now.
1: Yeah. uh, Well said. I mean, this, uh, when we talk about the different energy from the crowd, I mean, that's a tool at your disposal. You know, if you just treat it like another tournament or uh, you you don't ride that wave or use it to energize you and and kind of take you to that next level, you got to use, you got to use every tool that you have at your disposal. And I think that not, not only the energy, but the team chemistry, very important as well. You know, you have a handful of players that are just treating it like another another one, they get down, you can kind of see it. And then you have those those team players that you can plug them with whoever, their, their focus never wanes, it, it, it stays locked in. And that's really contagious. You, you even saw some of it in the interviews with the team. It's, uh, I said, it's like, if, if Julian's getting on the second point, you got Elise Jones falling on the ground as a teammate, you, you like see that and you, you reevaluate how much, am, am I putting the right amount of effort into this? These guys are getting fired up from point one. They're sacrificing their body. So when you have that they call infectious energy and that, and you can use that as a tool for yourself. Uh, I mean, this, you got to use everything at your disposal. Everyone's too good. If you're if you're just uh you know playing at a regular energy level you're a step behind so
0: let's do the, a, please, please do the julian arnold impression what 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 did i do let's beat uh, them. i don't know what it let's beat huh? them with, let's
1: beat them with oh beat them with energy yeah yeah oh yeah no that's right that's right so i still remember it was i think it was it was somewhere in california It was i didn't know anything about julian arnold and it was hayden patrick Quinn. he was playing with hayden patrick Quinn and uh Hayden's a cool customer, very chill, very relaxed, always wearing his shades. I didn't know anything about Julian. He missed probably three or four shots, uh, pretty standard shots. He comes back to the baseline. He starts doing these big box box jumps, uh, you know, as high as he can go. He just stares deep into Hayden's eyes and he goes, Hayden let's just beat him with energy just like that (laughs) and i was like who is this psychopath i have no idea what's going on he gave the crazy eyes you know this was like second round of the back draw or something like that so uh just incredible yeah incredible stuff and you saw the energy and i tell you what he got in a couple barking matches one specifically with with travis Rettenmeyer. yep didn't back down and didn't affect his game some people play better when they're jacked up, some people play worse, and I, I definitely think any form of energy, positive or negative, going through Julian Arnold is is a bonus for him and, and makes 100%. him play at, at a higher level. So he's the MVP; he earned it. Uh, you can't take anything away from him. Phenomenal yeah. job by Julian Arnold as a as a third round pick uh, becoming the the MVP of the league.
0: Hundred
1: uh, percent. Yeah. What else so- we got, Adam? Uh, and I mean, that's 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 pretty close uh, to it. So, uh, yeah, we, we hit that magical number of over one hour. We had a couple mm-hmm. a little short break in there. We could have maybe d- dug a little deeper on some of the specifics of the team. But with so much just general info about MLP, I, th- I think we I think we nailed it pretty good on this one. And uh, ne- I think next
0: event is what, March end of March, March 23rd or something like that.
1: Correct. So end of March of that, I believe that's Holly Hill, Florida. Is that correct?
0: Yep. They have a new new facility down there. Yep. Yep. Right. So
1: I've not seen that facility. I've heard good things about it. Uh, Lots of courts. And I, I don't see why the energy wouldn't be the exact same, if not better for MLP number two.
0: Yeah. And we'll see, like, you know, we talked about a lot of, you know, mishaps per se and, and, and other things that could be, you know, shored up, cleaned up and we'll see if they do it. You know, I think that, that text they sent out, we haven't done the player survey yet. And, but the text they sent out shows that they're, you know, they want to make, they want to make this the best possible. They want to make it a great product. So I'm sure they'll clean things up and it's only going to get better, man. Like, I think this one was better than last year. And I think it's Definitely. going to continue to trend that way.
1: Yeah. We talked so, pre so much previously on, on episodes of, of it feels right that this came together quick. So tons of uh, respect to the crew at MLP. Um, not, you know, I, Wasn't the absolute perfect uh, situation, but like you said, they're doing everything in their power to fix it. Things came together quick. So to make this first event so great and so much better than last year, kudos to them. And no doubt uh, events two and three. And then, uh, of course, the second half of the season will continue to get better. Uh, Very exciting stuff. I I, I honestly I can't wait for for the next MLP as as uh, there's nothing else like it
0: well you just nailed that tagline a few times well done Adam. Almost like it's almost like you're employed by them
1: yeah almost (laughs) like i'm employed by them so uh exactly right so uh good stuff robert uh we'll be back either uh, i'm sure we'll be back early next week um with uh a possible guest Uh, we've had a couple guests in a row so this was nice just to shoot the shit with you and talk Always. about these
0: tournaments uh thank you for cussing and making me feel better for my early f-bomb that i'm not i'm
1: i'm pregnant with corinne yes you, uh, are. you yeah. know i mean I'm, I'm emotional support i knew you slipped you slipped early in thank the you. episode so i dropped an s-bomb to to counteract your f-bomb and thank this you. is what i do i'm a good partner what can
0: i say you you are a good partner and our our on-air chemistry is just palpable
1: palpable that's right. Uh, have a good day, Robert, in Savannah, Georgia, you incredible nomad.
0: Thank you, Adam. You have a good day as a house husband. Oh, I will. <laughs> because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. No.